Well, good morning, Catalyst Christian Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Yeah, good. Well, my name is Rowan Bickert, and I'm the youth minister here at Catalyst Christian Church. Um, I have really enjoyed the past six months getting to know your kids um, and being able to teach and grow them. Um, a few of you might know that my family started coming here during, um, during COVID um, because it was one of the few churches that was left open. And... Um, but we stayed because we loved building relationships and having conversations with you guys. Um, and let me tell you, the atmosphere that you guys have here is, is incredible. One of, um, I wasn't on staff until this past May when Dave decided to hire me for whatever reason. <laughs> um, but before that, I was helping Donovan in the youth group um, for, most, for most of the past year and a half. Um, and I've gotten the great privilege to know and help grow your children. I, um, I just wasn't in a leadership position at that point. It has been a difficult journey for me to get to where I'm at today because God has challenged me and grown my skills to a point that I never thought was possible since Dave brought me on as a youth minister. Um, and, it's, and the cool thing about that is God's not done yet. But I'm not up here to talk about Dave as much as he would like me to. <laughs> I'm on this stage to tell you that I don't have a testimony. At least I thought I didn't. I grew up in a Christian home and lived a normal Christian life. I didn't do, uh, <clears throat> I, I mean, that's not really inspiring. I didn't do, um, I didn't go through any life-changing experience to find Jesus. I didn't struggle with drugs. I didn't make drama with girls. I was a good little Christian that came home after football practice to do his homework every night. I thought there was nothing special about me until, until I started reading the Bible. <clears throat> I read in 1 Corinthians 12 that I have a job and it's specific to me. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14, it says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. <clears throat> so it is with Christ, for we are baptized by one spirit. So as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. And even, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So my job is, is not the same as everybody else's, because God is a specific role that I fill, that, that fits his plan for humanity. And then I read in Ephesians 2 that God created me just the way I am so that I, ha I, I can do the good works that he prepared for me to do. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in, in Christ Jesus, for good works which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. So God is shaping me through all the events in my life to be able to reach specific people and do specific jobs that he prepared for me beforehand to do. I realized that I didn't think I had a, a testimony because someone was whispering in my ear that I didn't measure up, I didn't rebel enough, that I didn't sin enough. I realized Satan's job was much easier if he could convince me that I didn't have a testimony. Once I knew the truth, I realized that I do have a testimony. It's power, powerful. And that is, that is my main thing. If you don't get anything else, remember this. If you're a Christian... Your testimony is powerful. It says in Revelation 12, 10 through 11, 
For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down, <clears throat> he has been hurled down, they triumph over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So this is my testimony. This is a story about a little boy and his Cebu. Sorry, that's the wrong story. Wrong story. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. It's too good. So I was, I was born in Colorado um, to two parents who loved Jesus. After a year, they felt called to move back to Kentucky with me and my older brother, John Mark. My parents decided to live their lives. My parents dedicated their lives to raising us in a home that was focused on God. We read kids' stories and Bible stories at night together before bedtime. We prayed and we ate together. I grew up watching my parents read their Bibles. This, I'm, I'm doing this because this means something to me. So then came along my younger brother, Dylan. <laughs> Jeez. When we did something bad, when we did something that we weren't supposed to, we got punished. When we made mistakes, we got corrected with scripture. Both sets of my grandparents were Christians. My dad's parents were missionaries to the Philippines most of their lives, and my mom's dad was a pastor. Almost every vacation that we had, we went to one of their houses, and they were big spiritual influences in my life, as well as my brother's lives. They had big, long prayers at mealtimes. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm going through puberty again. I did, not, I did not think this would affect me like this. <laughs> they told us every time that we went to their house that they were praying for good, godly wives for us. And they did many, many more things behind the scenes that we, didn't, uh, that we didn't see, but that God did. At the age of eight, I decided to get baptized. I got over my anger issues at the age of 10, only because I realized that, that, God, that it didn't please God to get angry over the smallest things. I joined the church youth choir, and I loved it. We, we went touring around to different retirement homes and churches to sing to them. And at the end of the year, we went putt-putting and got Dairy Queen ice cream. In high school, I started playing football, and there was a lot of peer pressure to do um, things for juniors and seniors' entertainment. But I hadn't found my, if I hadn't found my identity in Jesus Christ, I would have looked for it there, and I'd I, wouldn't have, I would have been just another peon underclassman, but because I had values and stood by them, they respected me. They grew to like me not for entertainment, but as a good teammate. I had an impact on the people around me because of the way that I acted. My junior year, 
of high school, I decided that I wanted to grow my relationship with God. So I started reading my Bible. I started giving. I started gaining knowledge about what I believed because I wanted to I wanted to know the answer to a question about my faith when I was asked about it. I wanted to know how to build a godly relationship. I continued trying to study the Bible my senior year, but with football and homework taking up most of my time, um, that was difficult for me. So after, after, um, during that, I settled for asking God to grow my, my relationship with him. After high school, I went to uh, play football at Indiana Wesleyan University and to study exercise science, but little did I know God had different plans for me. I spent most of my time there chasing after God and growing my relationship with him. And I ended, I ended up going to Missouri um, for two summers in a row to teach kids about Jesus and be an example for them to follow. Then COVID hit, and I didn't want to go back to school because they had raised tuition $10,000. I had never been able to work a job during school and playing football because it took so much time, and I needed to get my schoolwork done. So my parents had to pick up the bill for me to go to college, and that, that weighed heavy on me because I knew... I knew that they were struggling. So I asked God to provide a way for me to make money during college. That didn't happen. But after, after college, I became a manager at Culver's. I was able to pay off all my school years loans in two years. So while I was there, I had the opportunity. I guess my puberty again. <laughs> I had the opportunity to talk with coworkers about Jesus to be an example for them to follow. And later, I caught the eye of Dave and the other elders as someone who could lead youth ministry. They asked me. If that was something that God was calling me to do, and I felt like it was, never would I have guessed that asking God to grow my relationship with him at the age of 17 would have placed me in charge of 15 students to grow and teach them about Jesus. But here I am, leading ministry and and standing on stage Sunday morning talking about God's faithfulness in my life. So you see, a testimony is not about your struggles, but about the truth of God's faithfulness in your life. So this brings me to my first point. Nobody's testimony is any less valuable for having struggled through your unbelief and addiction to obtain faith in Jesus. Luke 15, 7 says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents over the 99 righteous, over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. 
Some of you probably feel like one of the 99 that didn't need to repent. And I, I know that I did at one point. And that irritated me. Is Jesus telling me that heaven wasn't this happy when I accepted him as an eight-year-old? Not at all. That's not what he's saying at all. We are lost. We are all lost sheep at some point in our lives. Realize, I realize that the context of this verse is talking about someone who's actively rejecting God and, and repents and turns around, just like in the prodigal son parable. But realize that Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, 1 through 2, that nobody meets the expectations that God has for us. All are dead in their sins. It says in Ephesians 2, 1 through 2, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. So none of the 99 who were righteous were righteous from birth. They all had to repent and accept God just like the one. The only difference between the 99 and the one is that they just figured out Figured it out earlier than he did. Without God, I would be lost just like the one. But because, because I found the identity that he gave me, I know that he sees me as loved, redeemed, and adopted into his family. There are a lot of Christians today who don't think that they have a testimony. Simply because they didn't have to struggle through anything to become a follower of Jesus. I assure you, there was a party in heaven when you accepted God as the author of your salvation. Everybody searches for their identity in something. <laughs> Nobody knows who they are when they're born, so they, they try to figure it out. Um, so in trying to figure it out, um, trying to figure out who they are, they naturally put their identity in the things around them and the people um, they're with. The problem with that is that our surroundings change, and so do the, the things that we do. Because of that, many people are left with constantly ever-changing identities. The cool thing about God is that if we put our identity in him, our identity is set and never changes. In order to be a part of God's family, we must believe in the sacrifice that Jesus made for our sins. And this brings me to my second point. God's desire for us is to raise children in Christian homes so that they know who, who they are and whose they are. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says, Hear, Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments are... I give, that I give to you today are, are to be one uh, on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames and of your houses and on your gates. See, God intends for us to raise our, our kids to love him with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind. And it delights, and he delights in it when we follow what he desires. It hurts God when we don't do this because it leaves uh, vulnerable children to get swept away by the things of this world that aren't fulfilling. It leaves children without an identity, wondering, wondering who they are. We believe 
When we believe, our belief is not stagnant, it should be active. Meaning that we take action according to our belief. If you say that God loved you with all of your heart, soul, if you say you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will follow his commands and teach them to your children and talk about them when you get up and at the dinner table and when you go to bed. But what if I'm not doing that? How can I start? First, you need to know the things that God commands. And that requires some studying before you can teach your children those things. Then it takes discipline to implement them into your life because oftentimes our habits are in the way, other habits are in the way from uh, keeping you from adopting God's ways. When we take the time to push ourselves out of the way to make room for God, he delights in that. So what does a Christian household look like? Nowadays, many people um, identify as Christians, but they don't live like Christians. Is there a house, a Christian household, just because they say they're Christian? Well, this gets to my third point. Christian households are defined by what they do. I broke, I broke this next passage into two parts. Proverbs 23, 12 through 16 says, Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Do not withhold discipline from a child, but uh, if you punish them with a rod, they will not die. Punish them with a rod and you save them from death. My son, if your heart is wise, then my heart will be glad indeed. My inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. So this first section is talking to parents. Fill yourself with knowledge and, and punish your kids when they, when they need to be punished so that they will learn to do right, right and wrong. They will learn right from wrong. Create an environment for, for them to learn what is wise so you can raise children who are wise. And you can be filled with joy. This next section is talking to the children. Proverbs 23, 22 through 26. It says, listen to your father who gave you life. And do not despise your mother when she is old. But truly and uh, by truth do, and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May your father and mother, excuse me, may your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. So notice how both parents and children have a role to play in making a Christian household. Children, listen to your parents. Gain the knowledge, wisdom, and instruction, and insight that they are trying to teach you so that parents can rejoice in you. Give your hearts to the Lord and delight in the ways of God. So, so what do Christian households do? They follow the wisdom and counsel of God and put it into practice. It isn't going to be perfect, and it never will be. My house growing up wasn't perfect. There were times where I didn't want to listen to my parents. My older brother and I uh, loved playing video games together. And we were, when we were younger, we had, we had an old Nintendo 64 gaming console. One summer, we played from morning to night, day after day, 
And uh, our parents kind of got tired of that, so they asked us uh, not to play one day, and we, we gave them some attitude. So um, they said if they caught us playing um, at all that day, they would ground us for the rest of the summer. Well, they, they couldn't be there that day, uh, so naturally, Jamark and I started playing video games. <laughs> and we told each other that we would get off before they got home. Well, we lost track of time, and they got home and caught us. <laughs> so it turns out when your parents uh, said they're going to ground you for the rest of the summer, they mean it. We were grounded for the rest of the summer. We didn't do our part as a God-fearing... Um, we as children didn't do our part as a God-fearing family, but our parents made sure that they did. If you teach your kids right, there might be times where they point out behavior, where your behavior falls short from God's standards as well. But the point is, putting your knowledge, putting the knowledge and wisdom that you learn from God into practice is required for building um, a Christian home and raising Christian children. If you don't punish your child, they will grow up having learned. It's okay to do whatever they feel like doing. If you don't teach your children wisdom and knowledge in the, world, in the word of God, they will grow up confused in a world of pain and hurt, chasing after whatever could possibly make them happy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May your father and mother rejoice. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. This is what my parents taught me was important to them. Through their actions and through their words so that, so this is what I strive to achieve and this is what I continue, I continue to do my best to delight in God's ways. So the product of a Christian home should be a young Christian that gives their heart to God and delights in his ways, and parents who choose to buy truth and not sell it. Because they put their treasure in the wisdom that comes from God and not in the, the pleasures of this world. And that leads me to my next point. A Christian household is defined by putting their treasure in God's instructions and wisdom. It says in Proverbs 8, 10 through 11, Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Growing up, I had trouble finding joy in following the ways of the Lord, and I didn't understand why I needed to give what little I made from mowing lawns during the summer. I didn't understand why it was foolish to get angry at my parents for punishing me. I didn't understand until I finally trusted that God would change my heart when I put my treasure in him. For me, that looked like tithing from what I had. And sure enough, my heart followed. When I was able to understand why God's ways were better than mine, I was more able and willing to accept the wisdom and knowledge that he gives us from his teachings in the Bible. When I was dealing with my anger issues as a kid, my mom made me memorize the fruit of the Spirit. I didn't realize why until... I was able to understand the value of that wisdom. These are the characteristics of a, a Christian who loves the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength and puts their treasure in his wisdom and instruction and not their own. And this brings me to, to my last point that defines a Christian household. It's defined by the fruit that it produces. 
Luke 64, or it's Luke 6, 43 through 45, says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good, good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Jesus tells us here that we, we make our fruit whatever, the, we, whatever we store up in our hearts. If we value evil, we will produce evil. If we value good, we will produce good. He calls us to take a deeper look at our hearts, our own hearts, to realize what we have been building up inside of us. He wants us to open up our eyes to see the things that we value, or more accurately, where we put our treasure. Because what is good and what is evil, you might ask. Well, I'm glad you asked because the Bible doesn't leave us hanging. So Proverbs 24, 1 through 6 says, Do not envy the wicked, do not desire in their company, for their hearts plot violence and their lips talk about making trouble. By wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. The wise prevail through great power, and those who have knowledge muster their strength. Surely you need guidance to wage a war, and a victory is won through many advisors. This shows us that the wicked lose by acting this way. This shows us what the wicked lose by acting the way that they do. The wicked are people blinded by their lack of wisdom and understanding. They lash out at everything and make it difficult for people to be around them. They spend all their time complaining about things and other people making trouble where it doesn't need to be. Their homes are built on a bad foundation because they fight against each other, and it never gets established because there is no understanding. The rooms are left empty because there is no knowledge being gained or shared. The house ultimately falls apart because of their wicked behavior. What if I find my house falling apart? Is there anything that I can do? Yes. Yes, there is. Please ask that question. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom and knowledge. Of the Holy One is understanding. The first step in realizing, the first step is realizing that your house is falling apart. Only then can you understand. <clears throat> a lot of the a lot of the time, the enemy will blind us to what is going on in our lives, so he can tear it down more easily. When our eyes are open to those things, then we can we can fight him and not the people around us. The next thing is, is knowing where your heart is. Humble yourself and allow God to change your hearts so that you can begin to find wisdom, find the wisdom that he's given us in the Bible. Start placing your treasure in what is actually valuable and watch your heart and your house turn around. Like it says in Proverbs uh, 24.6, this is a war and you need guidance if you want victory over it. Just realize that your war is not against the people in your house, but against the influences in your heart. Galatians 5.19-21 says, uh, really makes us apparent what those influences are. It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, 
selfish ambition, dissension, uh, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Christians, it is wise to stay away from acts of the flesh like these. Why? Because they promote wickedness and they result in the destruction of your home. These acts produce the fruit of a tree that is fertilized through wickedness. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are produced by a, a, a tree that is grown through wisdom. Your tree will be recognized by the fruit that it produces. Store up the treasures of God in your heart and guard yourselves against the wisdom of this world. And what it took for me to learn this was about four years of studying and waiting for my heart to change. I learned that changing my heart to love God's ways was an entire process that doesn't happen instantly, but gradually happens over time as I studied and gained knowledge and wisdom from the Bible and from other people who imitated Jesus' example in my life. My parents and my grandparents were people that I could pattern my life after. They were examples of faithful Christians who treasured God's instruction. They were examples that built their houses on wisdom and established, and established them with knowledge. The rooms were filled with rare treasure <coughs> Excuse me, because their children were wise. Their trees produced fruit of the Spirit. And this brings me to my final point. Be someone that your kids can pattern their lives after. Philippians 3, 17 through 21 says, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine. This is Paul talking. And learn from those who follow our, our examples. For I have told you uh, often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there, there are many whose conduct shows that there are, are really, they are really enemies of the cross, of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. And then they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. We take our weak, he will take our weak and mortal, mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. We need people in this church to be examples for the young people in here. I know it's a big responsibility because we're not perfect, but a lot of kids in here are foster kids, and their first examples aren't around anymore. They're going to find someone to look up to one way or another. Why not, why not you? Be the leader God is calling you to be in your own lives. Maybe you didn't have a good example as a kid and you're still trying to figure out what that is. Find someone who is a good example and learn from them. As Christians, we need to be able to disciple each other, to sharpen our minds together and hold each other accountable just as much as we do new believers so that we can challenge each other to grow in our knowledge and our faith as well. But to what end? 
Paul tells us in the last couple of verses, 20 through 21, but we are citizens of heaven. Where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he brings everything under his control. We are waiting for his return. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I'm going to be eagerly waiting for Jesus' return. But before that time comes, I still have a life to live, and so do you. Because God is not, God is not done writing our testimonies. I am excited for what God still has in store for me for the rest of my life, however long that might be. But don't be ashamed if your story doesn't look exactly like mine. And don't be ashamed if your story doesn't look like mine. God is shaping you through the events in your life to accomplish the good that he has designed you to do. All of you, all you need to do is love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Truly, I tell you, if you're a Christian, your testimony, your testimony is powerful. Thank you guys and God bless.